Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Good morning. If you were to start reading the Bible from the very first page, from the in the beginning part, that part of Genesis, you would come across one phrase seven times before you even got to chapter 2 and this morning's Old Testament reading from Genesis. The phrase, God saw that it was good. Seven times we read that through every single stage of creation, God saw that it was good. Turns out the only thing that wasn't quite good here at the beginning, God fixed pretty quickly. That's earlier in chapter 2 when the Lord says, it is not good that man should be alone. So God provides a beautiful solution to Adam's loneliness, a companion both Adam and Eve created in the image of God. You might say, and it would be accurate, that Adam and Eve were a match made in heaven. I once read that Adam and Eve actually had the ideal marriage. Why? Because Adam didn't have to hear about all the other men she could have married. <laughs> and Eve didn't have to hear about how her mother would have cooked, his mother would have cooked the dinner differently. <laughs> now, wouldn't it be great, all of us, if we could just read, and Adam and Eve lived happily ever after? But this isn't a fairy tale. That's not what we read at all. When we come to Genesis chapter 3, everything changes. There we are introduced to a brand new character, first called the serpent. We haven't been introduced to him yet, have we? He appears suddenly, as if from nowhere. Up to this point, there's really no hint of even who he is. It simply reads, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. This serpent, this wild animal we hear, immediately goes to work, first on Eve, the woman, then on Adam, the man, to disrupt the good gifts of God's creation. Yes, gifts. In creation, God gave humanity three wonderful and amazing gifts. The first gift was life itself a gift so sacred and, and valuable that you and I are reminded every day to treasure it, to respect it always. Then came the second gift, and now this one's kind of tricky. In fact, I would argue this is the gift from God that has been the most problematic for human beings, you and me included, from Genesis to right here, right now, and, spoiler alert, this is the gift the serpent plays on God gave us the gift of free will. Yes, free will, but free will within limits. You may freely eat of, the gar of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall die. Now, don't you hate it when that happens? When you're told that you can go this far, but not this far, no further? What is it within us that pushes back when we're given boundaries? If there's a limit imposed, there's a limit to be challenged. It'd be very easy at this point in my sermon to call out the behavior of, say, toddlers, 
teenagers as models of challenging limits. But in truth, you and I know all too well that limit testing and limit ignoring, they don't fade away with age or adulthood. The serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Aha. There's the limit. There's the rub. That's where the snake or the devil or evil incarnate or Satan or however you want to cast the name of that third character, that's where he gets in. When Adam and Eve realize they want to be like God. My friends, whenever we follow a narrative that we are in complete control, that we know what's best, that we can handle ourselves just fine without boundaries or limits, we're taking a bite of that very same apple. And there's a word for all of this, of course, for stepping outside of God's appropriate limits. The word is called sin. Now, we don't like that word. It's kind of like saying we're discovering that we're naked, right? So we usually try really hard whenever possible in our sinful moments to blame the snake, to blame our peer group or our boss or our parents or anything outside of ourselves for our impulse to disregard God's appropriate limits. Deep down, though, deep down in that part of us that reflects the image of God, we know better. Sure we do. We know we are sinners. We know we aren't perfect. And we also know that there is nothing that we can do to change that. Don't despair. Because it turns out that the crafty one shows up in our gospel reading today as well. Jesus has modeled for us now 40 days of intentional reflection, self-examination, and Jesus fully human, just like you and me, is lonely. And he's tired. And he's hungry. And the evil one sees this, and thinking Jesus to be in a moment of, of weakness, of vulnerability, he tries to convince Jesus three times to disregard the same boundaries that God put in place for Adam, and for Eve, and for you, and for me. He tries to tempt Jesus At the heart of the temptation of Jesus rests the same sneaky insinuation that we listen to at times ourselves, that God shouldn't really be the limit setter, that Jesus really should trust himself if you are the son of God, the tempter begins, that underhanded if, which calls Jesus' relationship with God into question, that suggests that he could or should establish himself on his own terms, with his own limits. We know how this plays out, though. Jesus, fully human and yet fully divine, says, and pardon my blunt paraphrase here, hell? No. Thanks be to God. It's no accident that these two scripture passages are side by side here on the first Sunday of Lent, two moments where temptation and sin are right there on the table looking at us, two moments, though, with very different outcomes. That is why the Apostle Paul calls Jesus the second Adam, reminding us in 2 Corinthians that for our sake, God made him sin to be, made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, 
we might become the righteousness of God. My friends, because of the very gifts of our lives and our free will, it will always be within us to want to test those boundaries, to know whatever it is that we think is being kept from us, and to desire control over whatever has an influence on our lives. And make no mistake, it may be dressed up in fancier fashion, but evil incarnate remains right here, bright, shiny, interesting, encouraging us to believe that just like Adam and Eve, we can be just like God, and that that seemingly forbidden fruit just outside of our fingertips, that's the one that will definitely taste the sweetest. Turns out, though, time and time again, that if we are left to our own devices, we're a mess. And our God in heaven knows this. Don't you remember at the beginning when I said God gave us three gifts, life, free will, The third, of course, and the most important beyond all others, is the gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who was tempted in every way as we are, yet did not sin. By his grace, we are able to triumph over every evil and to live no longer for ourselves alone, but for him who died for us and rose again. And that, my friends, is very, very good. Thanks be to God. Amen.